0: to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Boblitz and welcome back for the third Sunday after Epiphany for the week of January 27th, 2019. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get into this week's podcast and I'm excited with how the readings went and what we discussed last week to be able to build upon what we discussed last week. Week, But before we get into it, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it's worth your time over there to be able to listen to seminary professors such as Caroline Lewis, Matt Skinner, and Ralph Jacobson. I'd highly recommend going over there and checking that out. It's definitely worth your time. Second, if you have not checked out Godfriend and Me, again, I know I keep plugging this every week, but it's such a good show, and I really think it's really unique on television, and I really enjoy it, and I think it's one of those shows that if you give it some time, if you can even go back toward the beginning and be able to catch up that way, it's a great show, and I highly, highly, highly recommend going through and doing that. And third, this week, I stumbled across a movie that I had been intending to watch and I hadn't been able to, and with doing some flying this last week, I was able to finally catch up on it, and it nearly brought tears to my eyes just because I grew up with Mr. Rogers, and if you've ever watched the movie, Won't You Be My Neighbor? It's a documentary talking about Mr. Rogers and how what was all going on With him and that show. And I think it's highly inspirational, especially talking about it and thinking about it in the with regards to the church and talking about how this man was looking at people differently and how kids' shows should be different than what was being produced at the time. And it gets to talk about and bring out that he used it without ever saying it as part of his ministry tool. And I thought it was really unique. I thought it was really, really good. And if you get the opportunity, I would say check out Won't You Be My Neighbor. So as we get into this week, I hope that you are still hanging in there with all the different goals that you've made for 2019. But let's look back at that Twitter question we had last week. And the Twitter question of the week last week was, are we pulling the talents out of people around us Are we ourselves being an instrument that God's calling us to be? And I did get a couple responses on this. One being from a person who has been kind of figuring that out as they go and trying to figure out what is God calling me to be and brought up the point that sometimes God's calls are seasonal. And I would agree with that. There's a time and a place and a season that there might be just a short-term call and a long-term call for a lot of different things that we have in life. And another response that I got that I thought was really insightful was talking about how it's so easy for us to maybe see it in someone else or expect someone else to do it. So being able to see a gift in someone else and encouraging them to do it, but maybe not being able to ourselves stand up and do what we should be doing with the gifts that God has given us. To do. And I think that's a really deep and thoughtful response because it is really easy for us to be able to look around and see others and say, oh, they should do this. And it's the action step for ourselves that can get very difficult for us to do. And when I look at these readings this week, I think there is definitely a point of that that can be brought out and the reason on why we should be looking at that as a community. So let's get into the readings this week, and I'm excited because I think there is a really good comparison in science that has been a debate for a very, very long time. And I think this can bring some insight even into the science argument. So let's get right into it. The gospel this week is out of Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. And this is the comparable to what we listened to last week. This isn't Luke's gospel being kind of Jesus's first real public ministry and this is a two-week story so we get the first part of the story this week where Jesus is going into Nazareth he goes into the temple on the sabbath He gets up and reads a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recover the sight of the blind, to let the oppressed go free, verses 18, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that then he states, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing which we can infer, but there's a lot of still actually interesting debate what he was fully meaning. But I would say we can infer that he is talking about himself, that that's him stating, this is what I am here to do. The first reading is from Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, 5 through 6, and 8 through 10. And this is not reading that I think it's important to let your congregation know what is going on here, that this is a culture, a society that does not read, that does not know how to read outside of the few people who have been trained who are most likely working in the temple. So when Ezra here is opening up a scroll and is reading it to the people, which is the main objective that we are picking up is that these people are just soaking in even this book of the law because this has been lost and has been refounded them and that this has been able for them to be heard so that they can understand the gift of God and what he's trying to do for them and how important that is and so This is a reading that it shows the hunger that people have for the scripture. And again, in the world that we're in today, I think this speaks really well. This speaks with power and passion if we're able to give it that time and place in society. The psalm this week is Psalm 19, the whole thing, which is all 14 verses. And again, this is showing the beauty of God that he is around us and that he is trying to have this relationship with us he is showing that there are greater things that he has in store for us he is worth praising when you think about all these different things in which he's done and i think all these readings, to me, lead up to the second reading helping explain the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31a. And again, like I stated last week, this is one of six readings. So this is week two of six for 1 Corinthians. And this passage is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And it's talking about how we are the body of christ and really thinking about and contemplating what the body of christ is if we are all part of the body then if somebody is not part of the body is the body sick does the body hurt and i think that's an interesting thing but in this passage we get through that the eye cannot covet the hand nor the head the foot because each of us have a different role each of us have different gifts And that's where I think it ties in so beautifully to last week's reading, is that each of us have different gifts. And then what are we going to do with them? We have to understand that these gifts are gifts from God. He has given us these specific gifts because the body needs them. And he knows that the DNA, the basic fundamentals of who we are, even going beyond DNA, works well with this. So, for example, I say that science, most scientists, the gift that we're actually given is curiosity. We are curious about understanding the world around us. That's really what we do. There's people who have been gifted with the gift of music. And that music is, I think, a form of communication with God, but it's also a gift in being able to use that to help others do the same. Science is just trying to explain the world around us that God created, so we're trying to understand God in a small way. When we look at each other, we're not trying to compare the gifts in which we have been given. We're trying to work together to figure out how can we use these gifts to help each other. Coming from the reading, I'll start in the 28th verse. And God has anointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but strive for greater gifts. And this is coming from the end of the reading. We all have different gifts, and through these gifts, we are able to then glorify the creator in which we have in front of us. And I said, I think there was a unique tie-in this week with faith and science, and it's a very old argument, and it's one of those arguments that you could see it going both ways. Nature versus nurture. How do people become the way that we are? Is it our nature Is it that we have been born with these inalienable gifts? Or is it our nurture that the environment around us influences how we become who we are? And as we've studied this more and more, they work together. Because if I am in a certain environment, it will affect my genes. If you want to say that genes are the be-all, end-all. But just because you have certain genes that are more likely to do something doesn't mean that you're in the environment that they activate. Another example of the nature versus nurture argument that I heard from a TED talk, and I'll attach it down below, and I think it's really interesting to think about, is you could be born to the two tallest people on the face of the planet, the tallest male and the tallest female, and yet not be a tall person. Based on that, you're in an environment where you're undernourished, so your body can't grow. So, the genes technically would be there for the great possibility for you to be tall. But, through in that case, the, how you were nurtured, it didn't work out that way. We have all experienced times where we have stubbed our toe or had a toothache or had a hangnail or something that's just been incredibly, incredibly annoying. I know for me, one of the examples that I've had in my life was I was in college and I would notice toward the end of the day, every day, my foot would throb. My one toenail would just absolutely throb. I would then at the end of the night after I took my shoe off, it made a big difference, but it still hurt. And I was in college. I was miles from home and didn't want to go home to just do that I was going to wait till break so i started working on it and figured out how to somewhat relieve the pain and went home and found that i had an ingrown toenail and i had a fourth of an inch to a half inch spike going into my foot and so after walking around on that all day By the end of the day, the body, as I was slowing down, started to show me that pain that I had. And it was just very, very, very painful. It just didn't feel tolerable. And so I was glad that I was able to have, you know, the in-office procedure to remove the section of nail that was causing the problem. But we know... In that case, how much pain that can cause when you accidentally hammer a thumb or a finger or you have something like that go on. You can't function the same way. If we are looking at the church as the body, then our role should be to be able to figure out what each of us has to help the body. What is our goal? Are we the hand? Are we an ear? Are we a nose? Are we a mouth? Are we a foot? Are we a femur? Are we a rib? We have to think about and work on that. And that ties into last week where we're bringing out those elements. We have to be able to work together to bring out those elements. Because again, if the nurture is not right, we won't see it which then is saying we as the body are not doing what God has intended this person to do. We aren't pulling that potential out of someone. We as the body are called, and part of our calling is to encourage each other, to help pull that out. I'm dealing with youth ministry, and it's one of the things that I think about a lot is I see potential in kids. But I know, what can I do? What can I help this child do to start pulling that potential or help them realize the gifts that they have and what they can do with those gifts? Because when you utilize those gifts in the way that God intended, the power that comes from that is insurmountable. This last weekend, I was at a worship service and was able to play with a different worship leader than I was typically played with. And the person who played, who led the worship team, you could tell I've been doing this for an extended period of time. She was very passionate about what she was doing. And it made my job as a percussion player a heck of a lot easier. Because there were certain things I didn't need to do because she was just doing it. It made my work easier. It made the work of the body easier easier it was making me more creative behind the kit as I'm sitting there because she was doing work that I would otherwise have to do just based off how she was playing based on I hadn't played with her a ton to figure some things out so I just had to be creative and open and explore the set of drums that were in front of me at that moment when we work together, the abilities of what we are able to do as a group are lifted. I suddenly didn't just have to worry about timekeeping. I could actually start utilizing my kit as an, more as an instrument. More as how do I help fill the void. When we're playing How Great Thou Art and when I hear the thunder roll, I have time to actually try creating thunder on my kit. That's what we're looking for. But in people, that's what we're striving to do, to work together to help bring out the load. Jesus knows his calling. He's talking about, this is what God has called me to do. But this is what this is going to look like. And it's different than what we kind of expected. We expected something big and glorious and loud. We had been told this is the way it was going to be when the encouragement of Jesus to get into his ministry, he said, that's not exactly the way. Yes, I'm going to be doing all these things, but it's in a different way than you expect. That's the individualistic part of it that we work together. And it's still the calling between God and the individual to how is that interpreted? If God is calling me into music, is it with a voice? Is it with an instrument? Is it in some other form? If God is calling me to dance, what type of dance? If God is calling me into ministry, what type of ministry? If God is calling me to care about his environment, there are tons of different types of jobs that can care about the environment. Scientists and non-scientists. What does that mean? And that's where we work together as a body to help figure that out. But it's still a personal journey. And that's what makes this so difficult, is that it's a personal journey, but it's also a community journey. That's what I think is so amazing about this reading. When we are working together to figure out what each of our gifts are, to strive for them, the church is powerful. The body of Christ is powerful. But are we really making sure that each of us, young and old alike, know what our role is? Are we called to be a hand, and if so, for how long? If we're called to be a foot, again, if so, for how long? Is it a lifetime of work? Is it a season of work? But how do we get that body to work together? If somebody's really struggling, the whole body feels it. Are we feeling the body? Are you actually sensing the pain that that's coming from someone not understanding and trying to figure it out and wrestling with things? Are we feeling that? Twitter question I think this week will be, and we'll use it as kind of an automotive type of term, are we doing a body self-check or a self-diagnostic? And if so, what does it say? And you can take that as a personal self-check, but I would also challenge you to do your body of Christ self-check. Because I know for me, I'm not doing a great job with that. I'm trying, but there's still a lot of work for me to do. The Love that it takes for people to realize that you genuinely care about what God is calling them to do doesn't just happen overnight. It takes work, it takes relationships, it takes commitment, it takes encouraging each other, it takes being there, walking with them. And in a world that we're told more and more that this is an individualistic type of thing, it actually, in my opinion, goes more and more against. What science has been wrestling with for hundreds of years of the nature versus nurture debate and we find more and more that it is not one but it is both of them working together that is needed and i don't think that's a coincidence i don't think it's just a hundred percent genes I don't think it's just 100% environment. They both play a major role in it, but they also still need both of those to interact, to be able to have things happen. I hope you've gotten something out of this. I know, again, we've been getting more psychological the last few weeks, and we'll see how the readings go. Some weeks are like that, some weeks aren't. But I think there is, in this time of looking at the church and who the church is, and we're finding the light, that we need to really contemplate and reconsider and think about how do we do that as we prepare for the season of Lent that is soon fast approaching. But we also need to just prepare for what does it mean to have a Savior and what does it mean to have that light. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.